0: Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of Your Data HQ. We have Michael here with us today. Michael grew up in Cleveland, Ohio and Washington DC and currently lives in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. He's been a software engineer, data analyst and analytics engineer and was the data lead at an education technology nonprofit in New York for three years where he fell in love with the modern data stack. Michael is a serial side project builder and his projects include widely used dbt packages for unit testing and product analytics. Most recently, he has been obsessed with solving the self-service problem in data analytics. After seeing so many data teams struggle to make their data easy to use, he created Delphi, which uses artificial intelligence to make working with data as easy as Google search. Thank you so much, Michael, for being here with us today.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to be here and chat with you.
0: Thank you. So how did you get into the data and AI space?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, And my background is kind of interesting and maybe this is similar to other data people. Um, It's probably pretty, dissimilar to most software engineers. Um, But in college, I studied kind of a mix of technical and non-technical subjects. So um, my major was a subject called philosophy, politics, and economics. Um, And then I did a computer science minor. Um, And and so I was doing economics, econometrics, statistics, But as part of my computer science minor, I also took a natural language processing class, um, which was kind of my introduction to machine learning and to natural language processing, and just got really interested in it. Um, When I graduated from college, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to be in tech, um, and I knew I wanted to be in San Francisco. So I ended up at an advertising technology company called LiveRamp as part of a technical rotational program. So the idea was Um, You start out in sort of a support engineering role, but get to move around and try different things. Um, Figured I could try software engineering, product management, see which one I liked. Um, But my manager for that support engineering rotation actually knew I had this background with economics, stats, and data. Um, And so she suggested that I set up some Looker dashboards for our team, um, which was a, a common business intelligence tool. And so that was like my intro to data in like a corporate setting, um, and I really loved it. So for my second rotation, um, rather than doing you know being a product manager or engineering, um, like I I thought I was going to, um, I actually moved to the finance team to basically be their data person. Um, that eventually led me to this education technology nonprofit called Zern, where I was the data lead there for three years. Um, and so then the last start the, the last step of my journey um, was actually transitioning away from from data analytics. I'm a software engineer now um, because I'd always wanted to try it and figured like there's just a ton of learnings I could take away from being a software engineer and apply back into the data world. Um, yeah, so that's that's where I'm at now. Um, but really fell in love with the modern data stack and the data community from my time at Zern.
0: That's a very interesting journey. And I think as part of this journey, you've worn multiple hats, uh, sort of had interactions with the entire data community in general, and you've got to see a lot of their problems. So what do you think are the biggest problems or needs that need to be solved in the data space right now uh, with respect to the modern data stack? Like, what solutions do we need to come up with?
1: Yeah, so I've been having conversations with people um, about you know what problems they're facing, and basically two things keep like keep coming up every single person I talk to. Um, so number one is data quality, right? In in data analytics, like things are just broken a lot. You know, you'll get up in the morning at nine a.m. try to load your dashboard, and like it just doesn't load for some reason, and it turns out something failed in an ETL job overnight. Um, And then you have to go fix it or, you know, even worse, like your head of sales tries to load that dashboard and now she's pinging you at nine in the morning because this thing that she relies on is broken. Um, And so what that means is that, like, when people run into these kind of problems, a lot of people don't trust the data their data teams produce. And this causes big, big headaches for them. Um, And so... A lot of people are are running into this problem. Um, the interesting thing to me is that like there's been this explosion of data quality tools recently. So things like Monte Carlo, Metaplane, Elementary Data, um, and like even with those, I still hear this problem all the time. Um, I think a lot of it is like people who are exploring these tools but haven't implemented them yet. Um, so I'm really hopeful that a lot of these tools that are trying to solve data quality, like will actually help people solve data quality. Um, and so that's, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see how, how well those work. Um, the other one that keeps coming up is this problem of self-service data. So data teams want their data to be really easy to use by anyone within their organization. Um, you know, everyone from customer success to the CEO, head of sales, whatever, they wanna use data, make data-driven decisions but it's really hard for them, right? The, the current tools like just don't really work even with something like Looker, um, that's that's supposed to make it easy. So I did this poll on the locally optimistic Slack group, um, which is a Slack for, for data analysts and uh, data engineers. Um, and like 34 people responded, I asked like, is self-service data a challenge for you basically? Um, or like, how's it going? And like two people said it was going well and the rest were either like, it's okay or the vast majority were like, yeah, it's a big headache for us. Um, And so people try to fix this with like things like training people and um, like building data catalogs and stuff. But it just seems like none of that really works that well. And so I think this is a really big unsolved problem.
0: Got idea. Yeah. Now that you mentioned it, I actually remember something at one of my workplaces. So one of the analysts wrote uh, on the whiteboard on her uh, table, like, "Please don't come to me asking to pull this data and that data." SQL is not yeah. that hard to learn, but thinking about it, SQL is hard to learn for some people who are, you know, not exactly tech. Um, so yeah, yeah,
1: right, and and I mean. Right, even if someone can learn it, right? Like you're typically not gonna make like the CEO of your company learn SQL to interact with your data, right? Like she doesn't have time for that. And so, um, yeah, I think like just so many people face this problem. Um, Yeah,
0: and even if you learn it, like unless you practice it on a daily basis, you're not going to know what is the efficient way of fetching something.
1: Right, right.
0: So, um, and you've been building something called Delphi AI. So which of these problems are you solving?
1: Yeah, so it's, um, I'm trying to solve the self-service problem. Um, And like I said, like the reason I'm really interested in this is like, I think data should basically be easy for people to use and get value from. Um, And it just seems like there's not a good solution right now. So what Delphi is, is um, in the past few years, you know you've probably seen all these ai tools that have come out like gpt3 chat gpt um and so i think ai gives us a huge opportunity to make working with data much easier for like normal business users um and so what i'm building uh you know if if listeners are familiar with chat gpt they can basically think about it as chat gpt for business data um i've built an api that lets you ask a like let's a business user, think of like a customer success manager, ask a question using plain English. So something like um, I have this customer, what did their usage look like last week on our product? And it connects to like the company's data infrastructure um, specifically to the dbt semantic layer and then gives them an answer to their question.
0: Awesome, That that sounds very cool actually.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um, right now I have a prototype. People can use us via a Slack bot, um, Mm -hmm. which kind of came about because like a lot of the way that people answer these questions right now is like, they'll just Slack their data team. And so I was like, okay, you can build something into Slack where now they can Slack this bot instead. Um, And so that's been a fun thing for people to play around with and give me some feedback.
0: That's very cool. I really love Slack too. Like everything is Slack for me. Yeah. I really like gone away from writing emails now. Everything Slack. So that's actually a very cool plugin. So we'll definitely leave links to uh, all of these tryouts for people to check out Delphi AI. And yeah. um one thing about data community at this moment is just the lack of standardization as a whole. Like everybody's building their own stuff. So I'm sure there are other ventures out there that are trying to do something similar to you. Do you know who they are and how they compare?
1: Yeah, so there's there's basically two sets of competitors that I'd mentioned. Um, the first group is like natural language processing forward BI tools. So things mm-hmm. like Vizu and ThoughtSpot, um, which you may have heard of, where their thing is basically where your typical data analytics tool like a looker or a tableau, but we have this natural language interface. And like, that's going to be sort of the main way you interact with data. And so these two um, have been around for several years, actually. Um, and interestingly, at least in the past, they have mostly not used these large language models like ChatGPT mm-hmm. or GPT-3. Um, in the past, what they've been is, from my understanding, like, you're mostly kind of entering keywords. And so you're not actually able to like ask a question the way that like a normal person does. Um, I think this might be changing. Like I've seen uh, Vizu in particular is like exploring using GPT-3 for, for their tool. Um, And so I'm excited to see what, what they do with that. Um, But then the second group of tools that you might think of, of competitors are their, There's this set of like new AI startups built around these large language models. um, And especially around like the open AI language models um, that are basically text to SQL startups. Mm -hmm. And so what they do is they connect to a database, right? Postgres or Snowflake or something, um, understand the schema, the tables, the columns, and then people can like ask them questions, kind of the same example questions that I had, like how many new users signed up in California last month or something like that. Um, Now, the problem I've seen with these tools is like, they work really well when you have a database with like two tables and like a handful of columns, but they don't scale that well to real life data sets, right? When you think about what an actual company's data warehouse looks like, it might have like, hundreds of tables and half of them are these like staging or intermediate tables that like are not actually like ready for anyone to use um you know they have like thousands or tens of thousands of columns and it's like how are you going to ask an ai to like actually make sense of that um and so what i'm doing builds on top of the bi tools um and the semantic layer in particular that people are already using where their data teams have defined Dimensions and metrics, how things join together. And so you're not asking the AI to do everything. You're just asking it to sit on top of a bunch of the work the data team has already done. And because of that, it can give you really good results.
0: Got it. Got it. Yeah. So it's a lot more context uh, to get the right results, right?
1: Right. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, eventually AI might be good enough that you can just like feed in this like raw database and it can give good results, but we're not there yet. Um, and I think the key right now is giving it as much context as you can.
0: Yeah, that's true. So where do you see the data analytics field going in the next five years in general?
1: Yeah. So there's, there's a few things I hope will be true. Um, the first, like, like I mentioned before is data quality. Um, I think the tools that are popping up are, are going to make a big difference here. Um, and and hopefully save a lot of headache for for data engineers and analytics engineers and even the people using data. Um, I also am seeing that, I think we're gonna bring in some like new best practices from other fields like software engineering and maybe create some other new best practices around things like observability data contracts. So that data is just like less messy than it is right now. Um, So that's one thing I'm excited about um another one is like professionalizing data analytics a little bit so especially like me having a background both in data analytics and software engineering one thing I've noticed is that um data analytics is just like less standardized so you're less likely to find um teams where people have specialties you're less likely to find like well-defined um levels for like a data analyst role than you would for like you have a senior software engineer and a staff software engineer and that sort of thing. Um, And so I'm I'm excited to see us like continue to grow sort of the profession of data analytics and analytics engineering over the next few years. Um, And then the last one is is of course like I hope that AI just makes data easy for people to use. I think there's a lot of value that people can get out of data, like in a business setting, that is just not unlocked right now because it's too hard. Um, and my my hope is that these AI interfaces, like whether it's Delphi what I'm building, or whether it's like something else entirely, will just make data really easy to use for people.
0: Got it. So finally, what advice do you have for someone who's just getting started in the data or analytics space?
1: Yeah, that's that's a really good question. Um, so one thing that I have um, really appreciated about the data community, um, and this is both like my time as a data analyst and analytics engineer, as well as what I'm started, like what I'm working on now with Delphi, um, is just how like, open and curious and interested people are and willing to help. Um, And so I've been like actually really pleasantly surprised about how excited people have been about Delphi and what I'm working on and just like interested in having conversations and the number of conversations I've had with people that have been like, just that I've, I've just learned a ton from. Um, And so my main advice, like, I guess, whether you're getting started just as, you graduated from college and you're trying to become a data analyst or you're trying to build a new startup or a project is like build in public, put your stuff out there. Um, you know, if if it's a side project or something, share it, create a blog, write some blog posts, just like share it with people because, um, people will be interested. They'll want to see what you're doing. Um, and, and they'll want to help. So Um, when you, when you start putting what you're working on in public, especially in the data community, um, it's just a really easy way to get those conversations started and, um, and meet awesome people.
0: True. And I think it's also like a very nascent field that does need like a lot of standardization and joint effort. So putting it out there, um, streamlines a lot of these because you don't want to be building something that's already like outgrown or you don't want to be building something that's just repetitive so I do think community discovery is like a huge thing to keep in mind so that's great advice so uh thank you Michael for this insightful podcast yeah of course I enjoyed it Right. Yeah. Thanks. Thank thanks you. for having me on. Bye. Bye.